Very good morning to <clears throat> each and every one of you. Lovely to see you all again. And uh, that was a wonderful song. Really enjoyed that. If you could turn with me in your Bibles to Genesis 37. Our reading is taken from Genesis 37. And uh, we'll read from verse 2. Genesis 37, reading from verse 2. These are the generations of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brethren, and the lad was with the sons of Bilhah and with the sons of Zilpha, his father's wives. And Joseph brought unto his father their evil report. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children, because he was the son of his old age, and he made him a coat of many colors. And when his brethren saw that their father loved him more than all his brethren, they hated him and could not speak peaceably unto him. And I'm sure the Lord will bless the reading uh, of his uh, holy word. Now, as you know, uh, in Genesis, there are four main uh, patriarchs or four main characters, and those are Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. And of all of them, Joseph is the one that emerges as the one whose life has the fewest flaws. Uh, and he's a noble example that we could follow, a person full of devotion, integrity, morality. And so I would just like to point a, a, a few uh, uh, points, or I would like to take a few points from his life this morning. Now, outside of Genesis, Joseph is mentioned in a few different scriptures. And uh, one of the scriptures in which he is mentioned outside of Genesis, a major passage in about him is written in Psalm 105, verse 17. And in Psalm 105, we have a brief summary of the various calamities of his life and his ultimate exaltation. And the point is made in Psalm 105 that it was God that allowed all these things that happened in Joseph's life because it said he sent a man before them, even Joseph. That was God sent Joseph. So you know all the different things that happened to Joseph? Well, if God sent him, all these things that happened to him, all the terrible sufferings that Joseph went through, everything was planned by God. It didn't just happen to Joseph. God planned and allowed all these things to happen to him. And so I want you to uh, think about that, uh, that God organized everything, all the affairs, and he preserved the lives of his people during the famine. He used Joseph greatly, um, but the plan involves lots of unpleasant experiences that Joseph went through. And similarly, in our lives also, we go through unpleasant experiences. Sometimes God causes us to pass through these circumstances because uh, he can use us 
to bless others. And my first point to you this morning is that are you willing to be instruments of blessings in his hands? Are you willing to be used like Joseph was used? Uh, God is willing to use you if you are willing to give your life over to him. If you are willing to make something of your life, if you don't want to be just drifting through life uh, uh, without any purpose or without um, any use, you could turn your life over to God and he could put your life to use and he can make you a blessing to others and make your life worthwhile. And if you haven't put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, I would urge you, it's never too late. Now you can do it immediately and your life could also be like Joseph's, a blessing to others. And then I would also like to notice the second major place where Joseph is mentioned outside of the book of Genesis is in Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 11. And in Hebrews chapter 11, and, and obviously when he's mentioned in Hebrews, it's about faith in Hebrews chapter 11, and his faith uh, is emphasized. And he accepted God's promise to Abraham that his people would escape the tyranny of Egypt. So what did Joseph do? He gave commandment concerning his bones. He gave commandment concerning his bones. You see, in Genesis 50 and verse 25, uh, God said that uh, um, uh, he would, um, God told Abraham that uh, uh, the, his uh, bones would be carried out of Egypt. And Joseph believed it so much so that he gave the instruction and he told the people, you will carry my bones from hence. That means you will not be stuck in Egypt. He took God at his word. He believed God's promise. And when he believed God's promise, God used him as a channel to bless others. Are you also willing to take God at his word? Because there are so many wonderful promises in the word of God. Uh, this man took God at his word. Let us also be like him. And by simply taking hold of the promises of God, we can also enjoy the full enjoyment of it. Then I would next like you uh, to give you a little bit about his background. And Joseph's father, he worked for his uncle Laban for seven years without any wages. And the agreement was that at the end of that period, Laban's daughter Rachel would become his wife. But what happened was that Laban deceived him shamefully. And the outcome was that he had to serve another seven years. And this resulted in uh, both Leah and Rachel becoming his wives. And this was a recipe for unpleasantness and strife. The same tension occurred in Abraham's household. He had Sarah and Hagar. And then in Elkanah's household, in 1 Samuel 1, you would read about Hannah and Peniah. He had two wives also. Now, divided affections always result in unhappiness. 
But in modern times, there are very few countries where a man can have two wives legally. Very few countries, Middle Eastern countries and a few countries here and there. And uh, here in this portion that we read in uh, Genesis 37 and in verse 2, it talks about his father's wives. But even though very few countries allow a man to have two wives, marital infidelity is widespread today. And this can cause great amount of heartbreak and distress, just like it did in Jacob's encampment. Joseph's father's encampment had this problem. You see, the Bible tells us that marriage is honorable. Adulterers, God will judge. And so, for a believer, shared loyalty in marriage is never an option. But you know what happens? Satan tempts. Satan puts thoughts into people's minds. And uh, okay, now you can't marry um, uh, two people legally, but people get around that by uh, having what is known as affairs. So here in this portion here, we see that uh, Joseph's father had multiple wives, but we, will, we do not follow uh, that uh, because right from the beginning, at the inception of uh, mankind, at the beginning of Genesis, God said, one man and one wife. And because of that, uh, we do not allow shared loyalties in marriage. We stick to whom God has given us. And that was Joseph's father. And Joseph's mother, well, Rachel's main source of grief was her barrenness. She was aggravated by the, this was aggravated by the fact that her sister Leah seemed to be having children at regular intervals. Uh, but uh, Rachel, well, uh, in Genesis chapter 30 and verse 1, she was so uh, upset that she couldn't have kids, she said unto her uh, husband, give me children or else I die. Give me children or else I die. Now, um, what she did was that she resorted to what was then accepted as a way of uh, when you can't have children, uh, and another way of having a child. Uh, and uh, we will, uh, you can see this if you later read the Genesis 3, 30 and verse 3, that uh, she resorted to her maid uh, bearing uh, uh, a socially acceptable answer at that point in time, uh, her maid bearing a child for her. And perhaps she thought that since Abraham and Sarah uh, had done it that way, it must be permissible. Uh, and it also uh, prompted her to follow the same course. But, you know, she kept praying, and eventually God heard her prayer. Because in Genesis chapter 30 and verse 22, it tells us that God remembered Rachel and hearkened unto her and opened her womb. But we can learn a few lessons from Joseph's mother because uh, one thing we can learn is be happily resigned to God's will 
whenever it clashes with your own hopes and aspirations. She was desperately wanting a child. It was clashing with her hopes and aspirations, and she wanted to try out other ways of getting children. But let us be those uh, that are happy to accept God's timing and purpose for us. And then another point that we can notice, never allow your frustrations to result in you lashing out at others who are not responsible for your circumstances or do not have the power to alter them. And that's what uh, Joseph's mother did. And then be guarded about what you say or how you talk. She said, give me children or else I die. And what happened? Well, when she was giving birth to her second child, she died. So we need to be very careful and watch how we speak. And then I would also like to point out to you that in the modern world, medical science provides some answers to the problem of infertility. Uh, but let Christian couples carefully consider their options because some of these uh, methods that medical science is now bringing is decidedly unethical and unbiblical. And let us wait for God's time and his purpose in our lives. And then um, also, uh, I would like to point out that uh, perhaps uh, Rachel, uh, she was following the example of Abraham and Sarah, where they used somebody else to bear the child for them. It is so ex uh, important that we set a good example to others around us. Otherwise, they may say, hmm, because uh, Dean is doing it, then it's okay. I also can do it. It's so important for leaders and all of us around to take personal responsibility to conduct ourselves well so that when others are looking at our lives, they have good examples uh, to follow. And so uh, that was Joseph's father and Joseph's mother. And before Joseph uh, takes center stage, uh, there is one other thing that I would like to point out to you, and this is found in uh, Genesis 30 uh, and verse 30. When Joseph's father was working in the, uh, Jacob was working in the encampment of uh, Laban, Laban was prospering, and Joseph uh, and Jacob wasn't prospering so much. And so one day he said to Laban, uh, how shall I provide for mine own house also? Meaning that he was worried about his future, he didn't have much, uh, and so on. But then after a few years of working for Laban, in Genesis chapter 30 and verse 43, we see that Jacob started to uh, increase exceedingly and he started to prosper. This was what is known as uh, a rags to riches story. And Joseph, at a young age, he had to learn how to handle poverty and then he had to learn how to handle riches because his father became a very wealthy man. Now, when you have no money, there's a lot of issues and problems that come with it. When you have too much money, 
well, there is a lot of issues and problems that come with it. So how do you handle uh, the fact when suddenly you go from uh, nothing to like uh, Joseph's family when they started prospering? Well, there is no um, uh, one answer that fits it all. But there is a man in scripture that he prayed this prayer in Proverbs 30 and verse 8. Agar said, uh, give me neither poverty nor riches. That was Agar's prayer. Give me neither poverty or riches. Somewhere in between. And let us also be like that. Don't strive too much to become wealthy and uh, look for the comforts in life. Ask God, give me neither poverty, neither riches. Somewhere in between, I am content with what you have given me. And so, Joseph went through very unpleasant experiences right from the start of his life. Even uh, the experiences of his parents came to him. And his experiences in the school of God was training for him because later on in life, when Joseph went out and became a man of, on his own and all the different things that happened to him, all that had happened to him before he was able to use all those experiences. And so when you're going through different things in your life, sometimes think about it as God is allowing this to happen to me. You know, uh, the Apostle Paul, he said, uh, the things which happened unto me, the things which happened unto me. Uh, and uh, you can see that in Philippians 1 and verse 12, meaning that Paul didn't do much for those things to happen to him. These things that happened to him was out of his control and it was uh, uh, God had ordained it in his life. The things which happened unto me. It, God was the one who was orchestrating Paul's life. And so in the same letter, he also said uh, in Philippians 4 and verse 11, I have learned that in whatever state I am, therewith to be content. So when different things happen in your life sometimes, God is allowing it. Whatever he is allowing in your life, well, let us learn to be content with it and uh, allow God to work in our lives because he's doing it to train us, to teach us, uh, to mold us. And all that uh, Joseph went through, even uh, through his parents, uh, their experiences was all part of his learning because one day he was going to be a great man doing a big job saving uh, uh, people in an entire country. And so, uh, coming to our text in uh, Genesis 37, verse 2, and we see that uh, Jacob starts, as uh, Joseph starts at 17 years old, he was feeding the flock with his brethren. This was a task that helped him to be fit for later on in life. He was responsible for feeding an entire nation. But before that, God taught him as we know, by feeding a sheep, feeding sheep. Now Moses and David, there are others also who learned 
their leadership skills first as shepherds. So what I would like to point out to you is that be diligent in whatever task you're given. Now you can't all start by being a president of a company or whatever, but in whatever little tasks that is brought into your life or what God has given to you, be content with it and learn to do it well because while you're learning to do the job of a shepherd well, God is planning on greater things for you. And if you do these small jobs well, well, later on, you can have uh, handle the big jobs. So it will build your character and uh, uh, God can use you even more greatly. And also, what Joseph was doing was helping his family. Was helping his family. Like Joseph, if there are younger members here uh, of the family and God is giving you jobs or chores in your household uh, for the general good of uh, all, do it happily. Because laziness, reluctance, well, these will create resentment and unpleasantness. But if you, whatever task is given to you, if you're willing to do it well, God will bless you uh, in your life. And then I would also like you to notice next that uh, in uh, Genesis 37 and verse 2, we see that uh, it talks about his brethren. Joseph had to work with others. And this shows us that in whatever task that we are given, uh, sometimes you may be asked to work with others in your church. Well, uh, this is a very good thing because it will teach you uh, how to work in cooperation with others in the things of God. We have to be able to strive together for the faith in the gospel. And to do that, we must first learn to be uh, working together. And then we also see that uh, Joseph was working with his brothers uh, who were Dan, Naphtali, Gad, and uh, Asher. And in Genesis 37 verse 2, we see that they had done something that was not correct. Now it doesn't tell us what wrong thing that they had done, but it only tells us that Joseph wanted to report it to his father. So he must have felt that it was totally justified to go and tell his father because they had done something wrong. And he knew probably that if he went and reported it to his father, well, it was going to make life very difficult for him uh, uh, with his brothers. My daughter often tells me that snitches get stitches, uh, she says. <laughs> I, I hear her telling that to her brother. Uh, uh, so uh, Joseph would have known that by going and uh, uh, reporting it to his father, well, he was going to get into trouble. That brings me to my next point. Information that comes our way has to be filtered. We must decide before God whether it is serious enough to report it or does it come into that category that Peter talks about, a multitude of sins that love can cover? So when you hear about things, and this is going back over hundreds and hundreds of years, people love to come and tell you things and pass things on when wrong things are done. 
You remember the sin, sin of Ham? Well, he went and told his brothers when his father was doing something wrong. So when people come and tell you about indiscretions of others, what should you do? Should you just keep it to yourself? Or do you do what the majority of people do? Well, they go and tell somebody else, and then it's passed on and passed on and passed on. Sometimes it doesn't need to go further. Um, in Leviticus 19 and verse 16, it tells us that thou shalt not go up and down as a talebearer uh, among thy people. Do not be a talebearer among the people of God. Um, when trying to divulge, whether, or well, when you're trying to decide whether to divulge information that people have given you, uh, what should you do? Well, you shouldn't be a talebearer, but obviously you have to judge whether um, this is something that you should pass on or not. And there was an English poetess who said this. She said that before you decide to pass on uh, uh, or divulge uh, any uh, indiscretion, let it pass through the three gates of gold. And the third gate being the narrowest of all. And what are the three gates of gold that the poet has said? Is it true? Is it needful? Is it kind? Is it true? Is it needful? Is it kind? And if in your mind it clears all those three uh, questions, well then go ahead and pass it on. Next, I would like you to notice that um, in this situation, uh, Joseph had to work with um, companions that he didn't agree with. And he was having arguments with them, or, and he had to report them to his father. Now, in our workplace, in your neighborhood where you live, uh, you will have to mix with people uh, whose interests and morals are completely different from your own. Isn't that true? Now, there's no way for us to avoid them because to avoid that, then we have to be outside of this world because we are living in this world, so we have to mix with people who are not having the same thoughts as us. But what you can do is make sure that outside of your working hours, choose your companions carefully. Now, when you're in your working hours, you have no choice. Outside of your working hours, carefully choose who you spend time with. Because the people who you spend time with, they are the ones who are going to influence you. They will influence you, they will guide your thoughts, and you will become like them. The psalmist got it right. You know, this is what he said. Psalm 119 Verse 63, I am a companion of all them that fear thee and of them that keep thy precepts. Joseph had no choice. He had to mix with these chaps who were obviously out of order. But you have a choice whom you mix with. Make sure, choose your associates with care. 
Make sure that they are companions of them that fear thee and keep God's commandments. Then you'll be okay. Then I want you to look at next in Genesis 37 and verse 3 that it tells us that Israel loved Joseph uh, or uh, Jacob loved Joseph. But this was a different love from the love that, for example, God had for his son. Now, God's love for the Lord Jesus Christ was totally warranted because of what the Lord Jesus did uh, on the cross and the great uh, mission that his father gave him that he accomplished it. What was the reason that Jacob loved Joseph so much? Well, we can see it uh, in uh, verse 3, and it tells us, Genesis 37 verse 3, he loved him because he was the son of his old age. In other words, this is known as the youngest child syndrome. Um, parents often um, uh, like the youngest child uh, a little bit more than their other children. Now, is this true or not? Well, from the smiles I'm getting, uh, I think that uh, perhaps some of you believe that. Uh, <laughs> So it's little wonder that Joseph's brothers had an inbuilt prejudice against Joseph because of what the father was doing. He was, this is the child of my old age and, you know, giving him a coat of many colors and there was Joseph strutting around in his coat. And naturally, all his brothers would have been angry with him. Uh, so... Make sure that in your family, parents must learn not to have favorites among their children or to set one against the other or to make unfavorable comparisons among siblings because otherwise it can do great damage within your family. All children have to be treated equally, even the youngest. <clears throat> then I would like to also point out to you that uh, this coat uh, of many colors that we see in Genesis 37 verse 3 uh, that uh, Jacob gave uh, his son Joseph, well, uh, we have another coat uh, in Scripture. Obviously, there are many coats in Scripture, and you can um, study that later. Uh, there was the coat that the Lord Jesus Christ wore. Uh, it was a seamless coat woven from top to bottom, absolute perfection. Uh, then there was the coat that um, Adam had, and it was stitched together by leaves. And that showed us uh, uh, how it was fragmented and how sin came into the world. But the other coat that I want to mention to you was the coat that Hannah made her son Samuel. And we can see that in two, 1 Samuel 2 and verse 19. And you all know the story how um, uh, Hannah gave her son Samuel to the temple and then every year she would go up to the temple to see her son and when she went up on her annual visit, she took him a new coat. Now, uh, this was uh, a coat that he would wear and why would she take him a new coat every year? The reason was because he was growing and he was getting bigger. I see a lot of your kids here have all uh, got 
much bigger since I was here the last time. And so each time she would have to take a new coat so that her child, Samuel, could fit into this new coat. Now, uh, that is his physical growth. But from a spiritual standpoint, that begs the question whether uh, last year's spiritual coat still fits us, or have we outgrown the coat that we were, the spiritual coat that we were having last year, and do we need a bigger coat, i.e., are we studying the Bible? Are we meditating on God's word? Are we increasing in stature and knowledge? So much so that we need a, a new coat for the following year because our, our uh, mind is full of the word of God. Or are we still like babes in Christ needing milk because we don't read the Bible, we don't meditate on God's word and so we don't grow. Joseph, well, his father gave him uh, a coat because of his love for him. But Hannah gave her son a coat every year because he was growing. And let us also make sure that our spiritual coat fits and that even as uh, year after year goes by, that we also improve uh, in our knowledge uh, of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then, um, uh, next, I would like you to, my next point is also from verses 3 and 4 of Genesis 37. And we see here that in adjacent verses, in verse 3, the word love is there. And in verse 4, the word hate is there. In adjacent verses, refers to love and hate. Now, there are other examples in scripture also where you see love and hate next to each other in adjacent verses in the Bible. And one of those is in John 15, verses 17 and 18. And it tells us that uh, if the world hates you, uh, ye know not that it hated me before it hated you. And these things I have commanded you that ye love one another. Now, the inference is this. Because of the chilly atmosphere that exists in a hostile world, there is all the more need for Christian affection to exist uh, between believers. The company of the family of God should be a haven for the saints. Because when we go out into the world, well, um, we are attacked, we are buffeted. Uh, people will give false accusations, just like what happened to Joseph. It will happen to us. And so when we come here and we are in the church among God's people, there should be great love uh, so that uh, people want to come here. Because out there in the world, there is great hate. You know, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ, he went through a tremendous amount of hate uh, in the world. Uh, they mocked him, they criticized him, everything they said to him sometimes was uh, sarcastic. Um, their bitterness was expressed to him in verbal assaults. They constantly tempted him with their questions. And in particular, 
during his last week on earth, there were incessant verbal bombardments uh, and they tried to entangle him in his talk and with amazing wisdom, he beat back every wave of attack uh, until they stopped their questioning. And so the Lord's experience and to a lesser extent Joseph's experience, well, it creates a pattern for us. So as you leave the church now and you go to your homes, to your workplace, to your areas, well, you will also face, like Joseph, you'll face threats. You will face those who will try to humiliate you. You will face those who will try to attack you. When you come here in the house of God, well, you're going to be safe. Uh, Joseph probably, when his brothers were doing these things to him, he was going to his father and in the love of his father. When you come here, well, in the family of your uh, God, you will be safe. But what should you do when, like Joseph, you're going to face great attacks out there? Well, this is what you knew. Peter wrote of the Lord Jesus, he said this. 1 Peter chapter 2 uh, and verse 23. Who, when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. Amen. So as you go out uh, now and uh, you face the world, whatever people do to you, and you know they may do things as much as how Joseph faced, well, uh, don't retaliate back. Let them do what they want to do. You commit yourself to God. If you're in the center of God's will, well, you will know that he's organizing everything in your life. If you're not doing anything wrong, he's going to be taking care of you, just like he did for Joseph. And then everything uh, will be okay. This is the standard that we have to follow. Uh, no retaliation, accept what God has given for us and our allotment in life. And God can use us like Joseph to bless many others. Amen. And um, I will finish on that on verse 4. If uh, God gives us another opportunity in the future, then we'll continue from verse 5. Let's close in prayer. Our Father, we thank Thee that uh, Scripture is given to us so that we can um, look into it and learn from the um, lessons that have been given to us, the mistakes of others applied to our lives so that we don't make the same mistakes. And our Father, uh, we pray that each and every one that is here today, that their lives would be like Joseph, similarly a blessing to others around them, that they would see the good that God is doing in them, even though sometimes we go through great trials and tribulations. Our Father, we pray that you would use us to bless others. So, our Father, we commit our ways into thy hands now. Part us with thy blessings. We ask this in the precious and worthy name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.